So as we just said, this week we are finishing this short series on Bible reading and prayer that we're opening up this year with. And as always, this morning we we will be going through God's word and, and we will be going verse by verse through that passage you just heard in Hebrews chapter 10. But what will make this morning a little unique is that instead of just having the main idea of that paragraph in Hebrews 10 be our main idea this morning, rather what we're also essentially going to do this morning is we're going to read everything that was there and look at it through one major lens. Or to say it another way, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk about and read everything in that paragraph in Hebrews 10, specifically noticing one major theme that's there. And it's a theme that might even go a little unnoticed. And what is the theme? Well, what I hope we see and focus on on, on this morning is how we are to read our Bibles and how we are to pray and particularly how we are to do those things individually, but also... The theme is that what I hope we see is that how Christianity and how Bible reading and prayer as well has to do with us, us, together. How Christianity is not just actually about you and me, but it is about us. How we're to do Bible reading and prayer with one another. And I know in some ways perhaps that's obvious to you because we know that Christianity isn't just an individual thing, which is why we're all here this morning. But to really bring home the fact of how perhaps this isn't as obvious as we might think, just think about it. If you were here at all during these past two weeks where we talked about Bible reading and then we talked about prayer, if you were here at all, just think about it. When you were hearing those, those messages about reading the Bible more and praying more, How often in your mind were you actually thinking about doing those things physically with other people? Physically with other people. And especially with other people in this church. And now for some of us, perhaps by God's grace, we did hear everything we've been talking about the last two weeks. And we considered reading the Bible and praying with others. And if so, that that is great. But, But the reality is for most of us, We're in a super individualistic culture and we all have a very individualistic mindset these days, perhaps more than ever. And therefore, we naturally now just think of things like reading the Bible and praying as individualistic things. Because sure, we we know that we do those things here Sunday in the church service, but besides that, I think we can all just kind of tend to assume it's really a me and God thing. And that's it. But, but that's why we'll have this one final message in this series together to begin the new year. Because when we go to the Bible, what we see is that Bible reading and prayer is actually much more than just a me and God thing. Because yes, we are individually saved and are to love God and listen to his word and pray. But also in reality, in our lives, we're supposed to do that with one another. Especially with others in our local church together. That's part of Jesus' plan. And so in short, that is our overarching topic this morning and the lens through which we are going to read Hebrews chapter 10. But that then brings us to our outline of how we'll address that topic this morning. In basic, we're going to have two major sections together this morning. Two major sections. And as for what they are, it's, it's, it's very simple. Because first, in our first section, we'll spend just some time this morning looking at that passage there in Hebrews 10. 
And here again, we're just going to focus in on what God's word says. And specifically though, we're going to look at it with that one another aspect of the, looking at the one another aspect here. And so that's the first section, just basically going through God's word, which then though, in our second section, will bring us to some more specific applications on everything that we saw in our first section. Also that we may really implement what we saw in our lives and in our church. And so in summary, just really basic two sections this morning. First, the passage itself and what it says. And then second, some really practical applications. But all it said, so let's then begin our first section this morning, church. And here again, we'll mainly just be in God's word here in this paragraph in Hebrews 10, focusing on the us and we parts of it. And in order to see what God says to us here, we're going to go through this paragraph in four steps, four steps. And we do so because, as you're going to see in a second, this paragraph is actually extremely easy to outline because the author says one major thing that's true about Jesus and what he accomplished for us in the gospel. And then he continues to give three things that we should do because of that. As he says, let us three times here. And so that's our paragraph in a nutshell. One big truth with three things to do and three things which I hope you see as we go through this that are beautiful and for our good individually and as a church. But let's go step by step now. We'll start with that one big truth of what Jesus has done, which is foundational this paragraph. And for this, we'll be in verses 19 through 21. So look down at your Bibles. And this will connect to actually what we talked about last week with praying with confidence. Verses 19 through 21. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, and so actually stop there in the middle of that sentence. But as you can see, if you were here last week, you probably remember how we talked about how we Christians genuinely have confidence to enter God's presence because of Jesus. We have confidence in Jesus, not because of us, but because of Jesus. And we bring that up because as you just heard, now here in this verse, the book of Hebrews is making that point again, except here the Bible is making it even more specific how we can confidently enter God's presence through Jesus. And how is it? Well, it's quote, by the blood of Jesus and quote, by the new and living way that Jesus has opened uh, for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And now, both of those things may sound a little strange, but, but in short, that's basically just Old Testament language being used to explain the gospel. Old Testament temple language. Because as you might know from the Old Testament, while in the Old Testament, they symbolically could enter God's special presence in the most holy place through a curtain, right? And through blood offerings that were symbolic of the forgiveness of sins. And back then, actually, not anyone could do it, but only the high priest once a year on the day of atonement on Yom Kippur could go into the most holy place. And so while that was the case in the Old Testament, now the author of Hebrews is making the point that for us in Christ, really, we can enter God's presence regularly, whenever, and we can do so confidently all because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And now more could be said on that, but that's then the big truth of this passage. And that's our first step here. It's what Jesus has done for us in the gospel, giving us real access to God. But before we move on, so that is what these verses teach, but that's not all that's here. 
Because if we only said that, we might skim past what is what we might skim past what is somewhat obvious here, but and that's important, but it's important to point out for our goal this morning. And what is it? Well, reading these verses through the lens of what we're talking about this morning, we can also look at these verses and now notice that the author here a few times makes it clear that this is not just an individualistic thing, but this is also about us. About us. And I say that because you, you can see it for yourself. He goes out of his way to start these verses with verse 19. Therefore, brothers. Meaning he's not just saying this to individual Christians, but to a group of brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he decides to say that we have confidence and we have a priest over the house of God. Not just you and me, but we. And then finally he says that Jesus has opened up the way for us. And, and we don't want to skim past all that because while it is true, we, we could hear that and think, yeah, he's just saying that because he's talking that this is true for individual Christians and a lot of them. Yeah, I don't think that's actually the case. Because yes, we do individually have access to God through Jesus, but in this passage, really importantly, from here on out, as we're going to see, the emphasis in this paragraph is going to be on us church, all doing this Christianity thing together, with us meeting together and stirring up one another. And that being said, we should read these verses, and yes, we each should know that we individually, because of Jesus, we can enter God's presence like this, which, which is amazing. But again, when the Bible starts with, therefore, brothers and sisters, and when it says we have confidence, and when it says that Jesus has opened up the way for us, it's like God here through the author of Hebrews is telling us to, to look around at each other and to realize that we, as God's people, we really have been given this privilege because of what Jesus has done. Not just you and me who happen to get together, but we. Or, or, or to use again the picture from the Old Testament temple, what this verse is saying is that, yes, in the New Testament in Christ, it's not just that in the Old Testament, the high priest once a year could go into God's presence and now me and you individually can do that. That's true. But really looking at the language that's used here, if you want another picture to use, the idea also is Jesus has opened up the way into God's presence for us. And so we together like the high priest of old, we together, whether it be two of us or five of us or 10 of us or 50 of us, together in Jesus, we can go and walk into the presence of God with one another, hand in hand, if you will, all because of the gospel, because of what Jesus has done, forgiven us, washed us clean, and so opened up the way to God for us. And so that's the big truth of this paragraph. That is the first step here. But that now brings us to moving on in the paragraph and to the let us statements. And we'll look at the first one. And, and these sort of now logically build upon one another. And so for the first let us will now just be in verse 22. And this is the most obvious thing after what we just heard. And so look at your Bibles and we'll actually read verses 19 through 22 now. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, 
with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So Jesus has opened the way for us. We can go into God's presence in Jesus. And therefore, what should we do? Well, most basically, we should draw near. We should draw near, which makes sense because the way has been opened for us. And so let's draw near. Let's do it. (laughs) Go into the presence of God through Jesus. But the author doesn't just say that in this verse because he continues, right, saying, let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And now to our ears, that may sound a bit lofty or confusing, but in short, it's actually just a way of of talking about what we'd say is basic Christianity. Because drawing near with a true heart doesn't mean, it does not mean that we're perfect or sinless or always true. Instead, that phrase, a true heart, is just saying you honestly, you truly believe the gospel. It's drawing near sincerely. And that's why it's drawing near with a full, a a true heart with full assurance of faith, because that's the goal. Drawing near to Jesus, therefore, isn't about being good enough or being holy enough in ourselves. That is not the gospel. Instead, it's about truly believing that when you trust in Jesus Christ and what he did, you are forgiven. You can draw near to God, not because of you, but because of him. And, and going on further, why though can sinners like us do that? Well, because the author then also adds, it's because we draw near with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And really that's then just a description of forgiveness in Jesus and actually of baptism. Not that baptism brings about forgiveness, but instead, I hope you know, we are forgiven in Jesus. We are sprinkled clean and our consciences are relieved because we are forgiven. And then it was Jesus himself who ordained baptism to be a symbol of that. It is a a symbol, that's why there's water involved, of being washed pure and of our forgiveness. And so in summary, that's verse 22. And that's the first let us. It's the most basic one. It's Jesus has opened up the way to God for us in the gospel. And so let us draw near to God. And let us do so sincerely with faith, knowing we are forgiven and washed. And again, in some ways, that's basic Christianity. It's beautiful, but it's basic gospel to call us to pray. But also, with our lens on, remember, in context here, the author wrote those things to brothers and sisters using plural we's and us's. (laughs) Which means this let us draw near to God isn't only to you and me individually, but this command is addressed to us. You see that? It's basic. Let us us draw near, which seems to imply that we often should do this together, right? And so that's the first let us here, which brings us to continue on in the paragraph. Now this has to do with what God says in the next verse, so, and we can address it to Bible reading. So look down at your Bibles now, continuing on verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful So now this is about holding fast our confession, which is a major theme actually in this book of Hebrews because the idea is, especially back then, it was a big deal to make a Christian confession, to believe and say that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God, that salvation is found in Jesus alone and to bank your life on Jesus and his death in your place. 
That was a big deal back then. That's still a big deal to confess today too in our culture. And so the point is we should continue to hold fast to the confession of our hope. Hold fast to what we know and rely on concerning Jesus. And again, notice it's let us do that together. Let us hold fast to our confession, church, about Jesus. But that's not even all this verse says. Because why, though, do we hold fast to our confession here? Well, the author says, because for he who promised is faithful. And I I love that because while so far this paragraph has been about what Jesus has done and, and what we should do and draw near to God, Now here in this verse, just in that little phrase there, we are reminded of the foundation of how we even know all of this. And and how is it? Well, church, it's because God has spoken. God has promised. And he is faithful in what he says. And that's then where we can notice God's word here. That We notice even the Bible here in this paragraph. Because even just consider the logic then of verse 23. The logic is, let us hold fast. Let's hold fast to our hope. Let's hold fast to Jesus and what we confess about him. And why should we hold fast? How do we know that's actually true? Well, because God has spoken. He has said something. He's promised that this about Jesus is true, that we are saved and loved in the gospel by faith alone and that Jesus is coming back one day and God has made those promises in his word. And the point then is that is still the case for us today. And and for us then, if we want to hold fast, if you want to hold fast to what you believe about Jesus more, then we need to hear what God says, what he promises. And the point is, If we want to hold fast, if we want to hold fast together, let us hold fast, then we need to hear what God has promised together. And that's then a reason why we, with one another, should read our Bibles. It's why we need to read and just talk about God's word together. Which finally, I know this is a good amount, but we'll apply it all later, which finally on this paragraph leads to our last let us here. And this is verses 24 and 25. So look down your Bibles one last time, finishing this paragraph, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So here is where we know for certain that this passage isn't just using we and us language to really only emphasize individualistic Christianity, right? just with a bunch of individuals. Because instead of that, notice the clear emphasis here is on how we're to stir up one another. To be loving people, trying to do good works, we're to encourage one another all until Jesus comes back. That's that idea of the day there. And practically though, how are we to do that? What does it say? Well, we're to meet together. (laughs) Meet together. And we're to make it a habit of meeting together. All until Jesus comes back. In some ways, it's that simple. And really, that there is one of the main verses in the Bible that shows us that in order for all of what we're talking about to happen, in order for us to draw near to God and hold fast to our confession and and hear what the Lord says and love and do good works, we must do this together. We must meet with one another and not neglect that as the Bible even says that some people, some Christians are prone to try to do. And now, when 
do we meet like that? And here's the important part for probably most of us in this room. Because often, what happens is that we Christians read this verse about not neglecting to meet together. That's what it says. And immediately, we just think of the Sunday morning worship service. And on the one hand, there's, there's some goodness to that. There is, because we should read this and we should think of habitually, regularly attending our local church's body, Lord's Day, Sunday morning worship service. All right, we should do that. We need to do that as God's people. We should worship the Lord regularly with our other local brothers and sisters in our local church family. And yet, notice, verse 25 here doesn't specifically say, don't neglect to go to church. <laughs> and in fact, that statement wouldn't ever, couldn't ever, I think, actually be written at the time of the New Testament because it doesn't actually make sense. And we've talked about this already in the last couple of months because you don't go to church. Instead, you and me, us together, we are a local church. Because remember, the word church in Greek is just a word meaning people assembled, people gathered. And so instead of saying, don't neglect to go to church, notice this verse just says, as those saved by Jesus in the gospel, what has God told us to do? Well, we're to make a habit of regularly getting together, meeting together. That, that's literally what the verse says. In your life, and in this paragraph so far, in your life and you're drawing near to God and you're hearing of God's promises and you're stirring up and encouraging one another to love and good works, Get together. Do it together. And do it like that until Jesus comes back. And again, that's kind of a part of biblical Christianity with our cultural emphasis on individualism and our cultural emphasis of defining church as the Sunday service that we can often miss. Because again, just to make it clear, clear, again, notice this verse does not say only to do that on Sundays or only to do that through a Sunday worship service. Instead, the goal is to regularly, habitually meet together and do all this together. Let us. And so that's the passage here, church, and that is our first section this morning, just going through that paragraph in Hebrews 10, which now then leads us to our second major section this morning. And so that was Hebrews 10 itself, but now again in the second major section, we're just going to have some applications from all of that, just some applications from all of that. And as for these applications, we're going to have three main broad applications and, and they're going to be more obvious. But then for each application, I'm just going to list some more specific ways that you just prayerfully could consider putting these more into practice in your life and even in this church. And so three main broad applications with a handful more just specific ways to put it into practice. And so we'll begin obviously with application number one. And, and this is just foundational to everything. And it's simply to make sure that you see yourself as a Christian is not just coming to attend a church service and call that church. But instead, the application is to see yourself biblically as a part of a local church community. Meaning, just a group of local fellow believers. The, the broad application first is just to see yourself like that. To see yourself as a local church family, a flock, a local body, a local people of God. And I know in some ways that might sound simple, but I do think for all of us, myself even included, it's actually a lot harder to do that, to think that way 
Especially again, as we're just so prone to see ourselves as individuals and we're so prone to just use the word church as this service on Sunday and that's it. And so I do just encourage you to think about it, to pray about it, to work through it. Start to see church as the people God has brought here, as the people God is bringing here. Because the point is, if they trust in Jesus, they're people who also, like you, do love Jesus and do want to follow the Lord more. And if they trust in Jesus, they're people who have been washed and forgiven. And they're forever your brothers and sisters in Christ. And the point is, until we really start to see this thing we call church like that, these let us commands, they won't happen. And so foundational to all of that is, again, we each need to see church in more of a biblical light with more of a people emphasis, if you will. And so that's the first application. Some broad then ways, or some specific ways to put that broad application into practice could include, number one, to make sure that you actually feel that way, not just about those you know well and you happen to like here already at the church, but with everyone, especially those who are members here. And I say that because, honestly, it's sometimes easier to feel really part of a local church family with certain groups of people or certain people we already know well, but not really with everyone. But the application really here is we all are a local church in Jesus. And now that does not mean that you need to get along with everyone in the exact same way, but the point is we do need to know we're all in this together. Or another practical thing we could do to make this, put this really into practice, number two could be just make an effort, a conscious effort to actually get to know other people here. It doesn't have to be officially through the church planned, but just have people into your home. Go out to lunch. Maybe not today, we have the potluck, but another Sunday. Go out to lunch some Sunday with somebody you've never gone out to lunch with. Or anything else like that. Because, again, it will be harder to do these let us commands of going to the Lord together, of reading God's word together, if you don't just know one another. Or finally, a last practical thing on this broad application would be to simply make sure that you join the church and become a member if you haven't. And again, come to our new members class in February if you're curious about that, for more biblical support about that and what it means. But in short, the point of joining a church as a member is it's not only a biblical concept, but practically, just think about it, it's so that others here know that you genuinely trust in Jesus. They know you are committed to this local body and to the Bible's vision of loving Jesus and the gospel. And then it's from knowing that, from being committed like that in membership and in body partnership, which is all the word membership means in the Bible, it's from that where this togetherness can start to flourish. And so that is our first broad application, which leads us now to our second broad application. This builds on the first. So first, we're to see the church really about being one another, how we're saved by Jesus and all in this together, which then leads, number two, to us applying all this by noticing that it therefore shouldn't actually be weird then, but instead it actually makes sense and is beautiful for us to read God's word together and talk about God's word together. With the people of God, read God's word together. Talk about God's word together. Because remember, church isn't mainly or just a service. If it was mainly or just a service, then sure. We could all just come on in here once a Sunday, watch the service, then go home and individually engage God's word. But that's not Jesus' plan. Instead, his plan has always been to save individual people who, yes, individually hear from him in his word, but then also with other believers hear from him in local groups that are called churches. 
And that's why just in the story of the Bible, so you, just so you know, overwhelmingly, when the word of God comes, it comes to God's people. We hear God's truth and promises. And so we should hear and talk about God's word together. And this especially makes sense once we realize how we really are all in the same boat, if you will, on this Christian journey. I mean, I hope you know that because again, we're all Christians who have been brought near to God by Jesus, by grace, and we've all been sprinkled clean in the gospel. And we're all just trying to love Jesus and follow him more and share his good news and do good works. And so in order for that to happen, every one of us in this room really needs God's word. And that means, again, it should be natural for us to talk about God's word. But the reality is, we all know that can be hard. Or even more so, I think the reality is it can feel strange and awkward. And to be honest, I, I do think, I was just thinking about this this week, that, that that awkwardness, even for myself included, or that insecurity that we feel that often comes when we think about talking about God's word, I think that is a common tool of just sin and darkness that keeps us from growing together and loving God's word together. But brothers and sisters, by Christ, in Christ, we can overcome that. And this is something I want to work on a lot too, to just simply talk about God's word together, truths, encouragements from God's word more and more together because again, we really are in this together. And so that's broad application number two. Let's actually read and let's actually just talk about God's written word together. Which then again, for some practical ways to consider putting this into practice, number one, maybe just texting one another about the Bible. Whatever you're reading, I'll tell you, somebody did that to me recently. It was awesome. And so I just encourage you, if you have some questions, you have something you just read that was interesting or some encouraging verse, whatever, whatever it is, just text those in the church, especially those you're already close to. Number two, this could mean and probably should mean that we talk about the Bible together here on Sunday mornings with one another. And, and, and I say that because it is interesting, isn't it? That for the majority of those of you in here, we come here, we gather to worship Jesus, we sing, we, we hear the Bible taught. But then, with other brothers and sisters in the church, most of us go all of Sunday morning without even speaking about what God has said to other brothers and sisters. Which is pretty fascinating. God speaks to us. We are his people. He has spoken to us in his word. But we don't really talk about it with other brothers and sisters. And this is where talking about God's word together before the service, just in the pews or after the service, especially in something like the fellowship hall, could be actually a good thing. And I, and I know, to be honest, this is, this is weird for me to say because to be clear, the goal isn't to lift high or emphasize what Pastor Ryan just said. It is not about me. But, but I've even had people tell me in this church that they wished more people talked about God's word in general or the message in the fellowship hall, which does happen in a lot of churches, but it honestly doesn't happen too much here at ECC. And so I just do encourage us to be a church that just talks about God's word more, not in every conversation and not because it's about me, it's not, but instead because the point of this time in the worship service isn't to just hear some nice long oration and then just move on. Rather, I hope you know the point is I've, I've been called to deliver the word of God. That's, that's my main job. That's why, I don't know if you knew this, why pulpits traditionally exist because between me and you, there's supposed to be a Bible. 
And so that, that is my main job, to deliver the word of God. And therefore, though, as a church, as, as God's people hearing God's word, if you found something interesting, stirring, convicting, glorious, or whatever, and if, or if you just want to chew more on God's word, then let's be people who talk about it with one another. You don't necessarily need to talk to me, but just talk, to, talk about it with other brothers and sisters. And again, that shouldn't be awkward. I know it can be, but it shouldn't be because we just need to know we all are saved by Christ and that means we love God's word. And so let's just talk about it. Or finally, another practical thing on the second broad application, another thing to put into practice reading the Bible together would be, of course, joining those Bible study groups coming up. And if you were part of those in the fall where we had like 38 people, which is amazing, we'd love for you to join again. Or if you've never been a part of one, we'd love for you to sign up. All because again, we're all in this together. And so we can hear from God with one another. Which finally, as we now start to come to a close, leads to our third and biggest, our third and last broad application of our passage. And you can probably guess if you're tracking what this one's going to be, because if application one is we're to see the church more as people emphasis and, 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 and we're all in this together, and application two is therefore let's talk about God's word with one another, then application number three is that also from that, let's talk to God more together. Right, let's talk to God more together. Let's each make it a thing to actually pray for, that's true, but also especially go to God with one another. And now again, I know that's difficult and that can be awkward as well. And so as for some practical ways to do that first, we can and we should intentionally be striving as a church to be just a community where it is where we do feel comfortable, where it isn't weird to just pray with other people, especially those we know are other members. And what I mean by that is we should be striving to be more and more, and I'm thankful for the ways we are this, but more and more of a community where we just can ask somebody to pray before the service or, or pray in the fellowship hall or just text each other mutual prayer requests or pray with people over the phone or whatever else. All because overall, we as God's people should feel free to together just go to God confidently in prayer with one another. But then also some practical ways to help make this happen. We as elders have been talking about this for a couple of meetings and we've decided in order, in order to encourage prayer here at ECC together, we are implementing three things as a church, three things as a church. First, there will now uh, consistently be people in the front of each service if you want to pray. And I do encourage you, come up to pray, not necessarily because you just have something specific to pray about but maybe just because you want to pray with a brother and sister in Christ. And that's, by the way, it's intentional. In your bulletin, it says at the end of our order of service that come up if you'd like to pray. And it's why at the end of each service, I plan not to say come up if you need prayer, but simply if you want to pray. Because if you think about it, the goal is actually just to have brothers and sisters up here who, who allow it just to be that we pray with one another. Maybe for specific needs if you have that, but also let's just go to God more together. So that's the first thing that will be happening. Second, along with that, to encourage more prayer here, the elders, as you heard, will be hosting a monthly Wednesday night prayer meeting, the last Wednesday of every month. And that will be happening this upcoming Wednesday. And as for what it will be, it will just be a, a time, no more than an hour, where we'll just come and, and lift up prayers to God with one another. 
Or finally, uh, the elders have decided that we'll be hosting a Sunday morning prayer time. The second Sunday of every month, we'll be reminding you of that. But it's just going to start at 9.30. So it's not too long. If you can get here at 9.30, just a time where we'll get together and again, pray with one another. Because again, the goal is for us as God's people actually to just talk to God with one another. Let us not just talk to God for one another. That's great. We should be doing that. But also with one another. And so church, that is our passage. And I know it was a lot. That was our applications. And so to close, let me just say one last time, these are things we could all work on and, and myself definitely included. And so let's be more and more like this as a church here at ECC. Because on the one hand, let, let me also say, I am so thankful. And I'm sure so many of us here are thankful. I am so thankful for how in many ways we already are like this. And we are a church that is like this. And when I say that, I'm not just thinking about us being a church like that as a church organization or a church history or leadership. I'm talking about our, our church services. I mean, I'm really thankful for God's grace he's shown to us. And I just look at all of you in the people here. That's what the church is. And so I'm thankful for the grace that God has shown us and all the people I'm looking at, all the people you're sitting among. It's a beautiful thing. But also, as we now conclude this Bible reading and prayer series and we jump into 2023 even more, I'm just praying, and I do hope you pray with me, that we become more and more like what we talked about this morning. But let's each be people who see ourselves as a real part of this church, meaning the people here. And again, become a member if you haven't yet. And let's talk to each other more about God's word here on Sundays and just throughout the week. And finally, let's go to God more together, all because this is really Jesus' plan for Christianity, for those he saves, for his church. And we do have the privilege of doing all of this together. Amen? Amen, let's pray.